Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I am the host of the Trampoline Hall Podcast, and my name is Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is, as you probably know, a lecture series that takes place in a bar, usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People lecture on all kinds of topics, with the one rule being that they cannot speak on subjects on which they are professionally expert. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. This, of course, is a Trampoline Hall podcast, which means what happens is, for every episode, we look through the vast Trampoline Hall archives and choose one lecture to cast to you along with the Q&A. Uh, if you're in Toronto, by the way, and you enjoy the podcast, uh, get on our email list and you can come check out the live show. It's like the podcast, but live. But for now, for now, let's go on to this episode's lecture. Uh, as always, it might contain mature language. Who's to say? But it really might. Uh, and I will introduce that to you now. The topic is luck and ordinariness, and the speaker is Pratna Lore. Hello. Um, thank you, Ali, for putting your trust in me, wherever you are. Um, props to you for putting your trust into Ali. Um, can I use this lemon? Use the lemon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just going to put it under my foot um, and consecrate the lemon. Uh, whoever eats it will be extremely lucky for a very long time. Um, this morning, I told my students, I teach uh, literature, uh, that the knowledge they come looking for, um, presumably at the university, um, sometimes isn't the knowledge uh, that they want. Um, and it's probably not the knowledge that they need. Um, and so think about that. Um, uh, uh, I really appreciated uh, Allison's quote from Lauren Berlant. Um, I feel like my whole life is committed to um, giving people lots of emotions and epistemological unclarity. So uh, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> I will speak about luck, ordinary luck, luck between friends, luck between you and the mountain, luck hidden in tragedy, luck in a time of pain, luck between two moods, Luck across sainthood and martyrdom. Luck that advances and calls your name. Luck that forgets who you are. Luck that slices you open and laughs at you. Luck that takes the very same hand and closes you. Luck that says, maybe you're enough today, but maybe you're not. I feel like I've always been lucky in very unextraordinary ways. I think we like to think of luck as a lightning bolt made of sugar something supernatural, unprecedented, somehow not what we were looking for, yet exactly what we needed. A friend of mine who gambles professionally told me in her years of gambling, she's only ever had one straight flush. I told her she'll probably never be as happy as the 0.2 seconds she was when she had that hand. I feel like I can talk about this kind of dumb luck without jinxing myself because the stakes aren't that high. Ordinary luck might be those minuscule things you experience through the day that you might chalk up to chance or coincidence. Uh, maybe you keep seeing the same number over and over again. Maybe you learn a new word and then suddenly everyone is using that new word. Um, 
If anything, I start to feel very paranoid. I used to think I could influence my destiny somehow if I kept at it, whatever it was. I try and listen for the divine through stupid acts of luck. And as you can see, it is turning out to be somewhat hard to talk about. How do you become an expert on prayer? How do you listen for the divine? The things that are good for us often take time and dampen pleasure. Cough syrup, self-respect, quitting smoking. These things are good for you, but they take time and dampen pleasure. Vices can make you feel like the rings of Saturn or a mortar with its pestle lying beside it rather than inside it. There was a literary critic who defined metaphor as a redescription of reality. For example, you're asked to imagine my thighs as Roman columns, my lips as two serpents stacked on top of one another, and my voice the sound Athena made when she sauntered out of Zeus's head in full armor. Metaphor is a kind of blessing that lets you augment your reality by doing one simple thing, picturing. I had always known that I could not begin with stories, at least in the ways I had encountered them in books and in people's mouths. I was always a good listener, but never a good storyteller. Plot exhausts me, makes me impotent and weak. I glaze over character names, fumble over who says the saying, skip paragraphs, and find myself at the end of a book with a half-formed thought. But in the voice of another, a story enthralls me. I grow envious, and my mind turns flat. In other words, I'm a bad reader. Uh, I, I teach literature. I don't know if I told you this. Uh, yesterday, I got a notification from my CoStar app that said, poetry teeters on the edge of insanity. Uh, did anyone else get this? I'm just, yeah? I'm just curious if it's like, there's like an algorithm that's like tailored to different people. Um, so I guess we're like insane poets. Uh, I don't know when my CoStar app started being um, rude to me like this. Um, <laughs> But it had me thinking again about the ways that talking about luck is its own kind of insanity. We all want good luck, presumably, but it's not something you can have, really. It's something that is uttered from the mouths of the envious, of those who see it, and those who are grateful. To speak of your own good luck uh, risks a swollen ego, but to speak of your good luck in the name of others, I'm so lucky to have you, makes that luck a shared foreign gift. Bibliomancy is the art of foretelling the future by interpreting a randomly chosen passage from a book, especially the Bible. Uh, I got that from Google. <laughs> Ever since I was young, all I did was randomly flip through books in search of providence. I didn't know what bibliomancy was. It's mostly because I'm distracted, and I like being distracted, and doing distracted things keeps you distracted. Last night, I pulled out and opened a book containing various discourses by Epictetus, some ancient Greek guy. Uh, and I landed on a section called On Providence. Really, uh, this is true. I read the following. From everything that comes about in the universe, one may easily find cause to praise providence if one possesses these two qualities, the capacity to view each particular event in relation to the whole and a sense of gratitude. For, otherwise, one will either fail to recognize the usefulness of what has come about or else fail to be truly grateful if one does in fact recognize it. I was born with Jupiter in the first house. I'm still trying to figure out if that explains why I have big hands. 
Jupiter is the planet of expansion, philosophy, luck. Maybe I embody luck and can't see it. Maybe others see it glistening on my body when they see me. I'm not sure what Jupiter teaches or if it is simply hungry for learning. I wonder if people look at me and think I'm lucky. What it comes down to for me is a longing for something boring. My astrology book says earth signs have a bad reputation for not being fun because they are not dramatic or hysterical or emotional in the ways that the other signs can be. But this boringness, according to this book, is read as security, stability, steadfastness, strength. I long for the ordinary because I think if you're bored, then it usually means you don't currently have anything to wor be worried about. That's lucky. I think about what I want to wear, how I want to walk, if I can change the timbre of my voice. Whatever it is that might make me not like everyone else, but unremarkable just for a little bit. So what will you do with ordinariness as a form of luck? Do you feel like things are just going okay? Are you middling? Are you bored? Do you want something to happen? Do you want something to happen right now? Think of the power you have. Luck is the woman I want to be, a shroud, a gesture, invincible, wanted by everyone yet held by no one. Luck is the timber I long for. Luck is the thing I want when men are hounding me. Luck is the thing I want when men are afraid of me. Luck is the thing I want the least when I just want you to live. Luck is a form of talking that I just can't get right. Thank you. Prathna Lore, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Are there any questions? Hi, uh, yes. What's your sun sign? What's your sun sign? Cancer. Sorry. You sound so disappointed. Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't like other cancers. <laughs> Do you like the, part of, the cancer part of you? It's useful. <laughs> All right, okay, there you go. Or are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you okay with that answer? Are you disappointed? Uh, cancers are crazy, especially cancer signs. So. They're crazy? They're crazy but very deep? Cause a lot of chaos. Yeah. Cause a lot of chaos? Does that feel, does that land for you? Yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else? Any other questions? Anything else? Oh, yes, over there, yeah. What are some of the books you've used in your bibliomancy? What books have you used in your bibliomancy? Oh, like all of my books, so I don't know. Like what, the entire English canon, I don't know. Uh, not the Bible, surprisingly. Right. Um, no, I don't remember. Uh, I like read things and then I forget, so. Do you have like a bibliomancy, like is, is a selection of the book part of it or, or no? Is it like? No, you're, I'm just like sitting in my room and I like pull out a book. And then so it's something you do on your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not like a... I don't know the other. You don't have a shop. <laughs> I don't think you did have a shop. It's not, I always met people doing that. What? I don't know why I gave that as an example that like Wait, you had like a bibliomancy shop? shop, like a little. You'd have a neon sign that would say like bibliomancy, and people would come in. I don't know why I'm picturing this. It's oh. not a helpful. It's not a, you know, like the way a psychic would. Like no, I think a, it's an incredibly private practice. So, but it's not. I I because I always think of that. As, I think of that specific thing as almost like a, a part, like a game that I've seen. I've seen people do that together. But so that's not what you do. You're not no. talking about doing it with your friends. You just do it no. on your own. I'm like, what, what can I learn? How am I talking to myself like, through some external void? Okay. Let so me open a book. 
Right, and you'll just grab yeah. that book and do that for yeah. yourself. And it doesn't matter what the book is. No. Okay. No. All right, cool. So does that answer your question? Yeah, of course. Yeah, not, you're, not, yeah you're, you're satisfied. Sure. Okay, anything else? Any, anything else? Any other questions anyone has? Yes, over there, yeah. Can you give an example of something lucky in your life, specifically in the last week or month? Uh, well, one of my one of the, my favorite things that happens to me is like when I you know order food on Uber Eats, and they like forget the plum sauce. You complain that they forgot the plum sauce, and then you can get refunded on everything. Um, and I was like, great, yeah. I did not. Yeah, I did you're not welcome. Know that. Yeah. I did not know that. So first of all, that's a helpful tip. And yeah. when that happens, you're like, I'm like, yes, yeah. That is a, the thing that occurs to me is that that's an example of like that's a the, the example the expression I think was like oh like life gives you lemons huh. like you got bad news and I'm like oh my god life gave you a lemon so that's so there you go I'm not sure what I'm I'm trying how's the lemon working out for you by the way good you want to eat it mm, not a not a lot but you know let's see how I'm feeling let's see how I'm feeling in a little while so that so that so the luckiest thing so specifically the luckiest thing happened was that you got an Uber Eats and they forgot your plum sauce yeah. All right, does that answer your question? Absolutely, it does. Anything else? Yes, the back of the room, yes. Will quitting smoking aid my self-respect? Will quitting smoking aid your self-respect? No, fam, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you go. Any, anything else people would like to know? Yes, over there. Can I eat the lemon? Can you yeah, eat the lemon? Yeah, of course. Right. You, you have to eat it in front of me, though. Is that okay? okay. Are, so, does it have to happen now, or can yeah. it happen later? Well, no, I don't know. That's up to the... the Eating person. Okay, so it's so at the so in but it's but not but whenever you like. Okay, so you guys want to do this on the break? Is that something? Yeah. Up? Or if during the Q and A you feel like you'd like to have the lemon eaten, let me know. Sure. Okay. All right. Cool. You got okay, okay with that? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yes. Question over there. What about bad luck? Like uh, going under a ladder, passing a black cat, black cat, that sort of thing. What do you have to say about that? I mean, it's it, it's fun. It's like a kind of insurance, you know, like. You know, I might as well not walk under a ladder. I might as well not open up my umbrella indoors. Um, but I was sort of reading. I ended up being on this website called Changing Minds with this person who used to be like a psychologist, but also like a marketing person, behavioral person. And this person was talking about luck. And he was basically saying, like, oh, it's just a story that you can use. And here are ways you can use the word luck to change the social behaviors of people around you and I was like that just sounds manipulative but it's like you know if you want to hide your lack of skill you just say that you were unlucky um, but if you want to like praise other people but make them think that they feel good about themselves you can just say you're really lucky but it's like a complete lie um, and I think I just thought that was like really wait, how, awful <laughs> wait, wait, wait. To unpack that for me. So, so telling people that they're lucky and it's a lie? Like, what's an example? What would be a situation where you... Uh, like, they got a job that you don't think they deserve to get. You're right, like, wow, right. you're, that, you're really lucky. Wait, and the you idea know. is they're supposed to perceive that as kind? Because I, I wouldn't. So. I would be like that. I would be like, I feel insulted when you told me that. Oh. If I applied for a job and I got the job, I'm like, yeah, me, she really lucked out. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> I got it because I'm smart and talented. It's just the, the, like the nuances of shade. I see. So yeah. there's like a so there's a way that it can be used yeah. that it can be used in that kind of way. Does that answer your question about black cats and ladders? 
no. So let me come back to that. So you were saying, so, it, so, so the, the question was that question about like the, the, this idea that things that actually are like harbingers of bad luck, right? Like walking under a ladder. And you started to, you started to talk about that. You said that it seems like an insurance policy. Like, do you, do you do that? Do you avoid those things yourself? I do, yeah. What are some things that are unlucky that you avoid? Like if there's like construction overhead, like I don't walk under. So you walk, walk under a ladder. Anything yeah. else? What are other things people don't do that are unlucky? You order four or like more than four dishes or less than four dishes? What? Four dishes is unlucky? Yeah. Yeah. That's, everyone's like, what? That's the only number of dishes that there is. Wait, you don't mean, you don't mean plates. You mean like dishes like ordering in a restaurant? You yeah, said? yeah. It's unlucky to order four it's things? Like four is not a good number for Chinese people. Like, oh, really? You want everyone's like, like yeah, yeah, everyone knows that. I did not know that. Yeah. That seems so, that seems so yeah. awkward for so like you a have like party a, You have an stuff. option of like six or eight. Um, there's, like diff there's like a whole etiquette around what, what to if, order. What if you're in a couple and your partner's like, hey, why don't us and that other couple go have dinner? You're like, no, nah, man, nope. we got to invite someone <laughs> or, we got, or I'll stay home. That just seems like the, it's such a common number of people. Four? Yeah. Oh. We like, look at restaurant. Maybe I guess it's not your. No, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. All right, but you, so you would avoid that. I'm not yeah. going to argue against it. So you would avoid walking under ladders. You would avoid four dishes, and that's is that about it? Yeah. Okay, it's in, it's not a huge impediment, I guess. Right. I don't think so. All right, does that answer your question? Yeah, of course it does. Okay, anything else? Yes, over there. How do you reconcile being a bad reader and teaching? How do you reconcile being a bad re reader and teaching literature? You seem a little angry. Have you, had a, have you had teachers who are bad at what they taught? All right, all right. Well, I teach a lot of, like, first years, like, young people who are, like... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Uh, they're, like, they're hungry for knowledge, right? right. They want to learn things, and they're used to a form of pedagogy. So I'm going to, like, I am this conduit of knowledge, and I'm going to, like, fill you up. Right. But that's not how I think learning works, right? Like... You're going to learn things in syncopated ways. You're going to like understand something like love in very like uh, uneven and unbalanced ways. And how can you think about teaching in a similar way, where I can invite you to like participate in certain kinds of conversations, but I'm not like the full expert on you know what Chaucer said. So do you feel that it like strengthens you as a teacher to be a bad reader? Yeah, I think it's fun and productive, and it's like it allows also them to like be comfortable to know that they can make mistakes because, right. you know, I make mistakes. And you tell them, you tell them you're a bad reader. You don't just tell us. It's not a secret between us. No, no, no. Okay, no. It's something that yeah. they know. Yeah. That they know too. I'm like, I'm, I'm really bad at my job. I don't know why they hired me, but here we are. <laughs> how do they, how do you do in like the course reviews? Oh, they love me. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? All right. Anything else? Any other questions? Anything else? Will, any other, over there. Yeah, I'm on the wall. Yeah. So they care, we want to know more, just more about the lemon. Oh, I was just, I was just bored. I <laughs> what a weird way to start. Your, no one has ever, you're probably the first speaker who like walked up stage and you're like, I am already bored. <laughs> I, have, I have walked up in front of a room full of people. I'm about to give a talk and the feeling I'm having is eh, Well, now aren't you glad it's here? So I, for me, I'm bored, because I've done this a thousand times. I expect you to bring the excitement. I was like, thank God he's put his foot on a lemon. Sorry, they put their foot on a lemon. That really, that really livens things up for me. So I was very happy about that. Thank you for that. Uh, for me, it helped. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to know about the lemon? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know if there's like, meaning behind it or tradition. Or well, you didn't bring... Was there meaning behind the lemon? No. Oh, yeah. Just like, you know, 
what I'm trying to talk about is this thing that has meaning but also doesn't kind of like doesn't really exist, right? What what is like a kind of analog for that for you to look at while I'm talking? So there you go. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Damn right it does. Okay. Anything else? Anything else? I would like to know. Yes, over there. Do you have a premonition that when you order from Uber Eats, you're like, oh, I can tell they're going to forget the plum sauce? Like, for a while, I thought I was seeing lots of, like, angel numbers. I don't know if people know what those are. Like, you see, like, angel numbers. Like, you'll see, like, three digits, like, 444, 222. Then you start seeing it constantly, like, on your phone, on your computer, when you're out. Um, I don't know if that counts as a premonition, but that's, like, one thing where I'm like, okay, I keep seeing this thing, like, this coincidental thing but nothing's happening in my life. Like, what is, what is this amounting to? I have no idea. Uh, it's really frustrating. So you were like, oh, there's something. There's, and so, so, so you're like, oh, there's something. When you say it's frustrating, do you feel like there's like a meaning that you want to grab onto? Well, that's a, well, like, we use luck as a way to like make a story about how we can move through the world, right? And right, so, right. oh, I keep seeing like this number and then, and then this happened. And that was like part of, uh, the quote I brought up that you can sort of bring in these individual instances or events and then you make a story about how they amount to something. But at the end of the day, it's just a story. Right, right. And, then, and so there, it's like those components of a story. Is that right? When the angel numbers are coming up, you're like, oh, it's supposed to. It must to mean something. something. And then it doesn't? And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it really fucking doesn't. It's just like you just see three fours over and over again. And what do you think is happening there? I don't know. Nothing. Just, just nothing? Yeah. All right. Okay. So does that, that so, so no. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Back there. What if you saw four fours? Four, four. This is where I'm very conflicted about, because fours mean that your guardian angels are protecting you. So you see triple fours. Um, it means that they're uh, sheltering you. Um, but then also in this completely different um, culture of numerology, it's like death. So I'm like, great, I have angels of death around me constantly. Um, <laughs> It's just fun. <laughs> when you were talking about things that, that take time and damp and pleasure, and you talked about like quitting smoking, and I was like, yeah, that takes time and damp and pleasure, and then you had another one, which I remember. And then you talked about self-respect, and I was like, yeah, self-respect takes time, and I'm really curious why it dampens pleasure. I'm, uh, well, that's all. Why? That's a, that's a big question. Yeah, no, I figured. That's why I saved it for later. <laughs> uh, well, because you become... You might become more ordinary. You might like, at least in the eyes of other people, you start to maybe you start to have boundaries about certain things. You start to actually like do your work. You start to actually have like a proper sleeping schedule. You aren't like drinking all the time, and then you be your like self-respect like inflates. But then like you aren't having fun anymore. You're not as much fun, right? Yeah. Right. So you think that people you think people who are more fun, people who are more fun are fun because they don't have as much self-respect. Is that what you're trying to say? That's what I, I'm curious if I'm curious if I'm hoping it's true because it's what I, I I'm just curious if that's what you're saying, or am I missing am I missing it? Wait, say that again. Well, it sounded to me like what you were saying, and it might just be what I want to hear because I want it to be true. <laughs> is that it sounded like what you're saying is is that you think that people who are like that as people have more self-respect they become less fun, and that, and that people who are more fun have less self-respect. Is that? Well, I'm not a moralizer, but I think that that's certainly one story that someone can have, right? right? Where I need to take care of business. I see, okay, so if you're like, you've got self-respect, I gotta get shit done, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a joke, I'm not gonna live like I'm a joke. You I'm can still tell jokes. 
Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but not like but but so I see. So that idea that like, you have more self respect and you do less wild crazy shit. Is that the Sure. Yeah. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay. All right. I was curious. Okay, thank you. Uh, anything else? Uh, yes, over there, yeah. Have you ever read The Secret? No, I, I've just only seen Oprah talk about it. But thank you. It's like about manifesting and, you know, these Did things. You, why do you ask? Um, because I guess it's about creating your own luck or only focusing on your own luck and how to... So it's the idea that you can create your own luck by, by just focusing on your own luck. Yeah, or maybe just not choosing not to see the non-lucky parts. Choosing not to see the non-lucky parts. So just, is that, but you haven't, you haven't read the book. Do you, have any, do you have a familiarity with it from hearing Oprah talk about it? Because uh, that's not what most of us receive books. I mean, I know you yeah. teach, you teach, so you have to read, but the rest of us just wait for someone on TV to summarize them. Yeah, it's, it's like about, from what I understand, like being po- like a certain sense of you know, positive thinking and manifest, manifesting what you want. Yeah, and it's a secret. But, like it's a- yeah, I don't know why there needs to be a book. Um, <laughs> But what was I going to say? This idea that you can like make what you want that is completely like unrestricted from external circumstances like racism or capitalism, which I think is like completely wild, right? To think that yeah. you can individualize yourself in a particular way um, by making lots of wishes, basically. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the thesis of the book. Yeah. That that's, I think you pretty much captured yeah. from what I understand. So that does not seem compelling to you. No. All right. There you go. Is that does that uh, get your question? Yeah. All right. Okay. There's a hand over there. Yes. Yes. You. Yes. So you were talking about angel, we're talking about angel, angel numbers, but let's just abbreviate it down to angels. So speaking of angels, um, what do you, th- the question was, you have a mul- it's a multiple choice question about what you think, what, what, what they think they are. What are angels is a short question. We'll take out the, so what are angels? Uh, my, my relationship to angels is through, not theology, but um, a book written by a psychoanalyst who wrote a book called Outside of Sex, and she was talking about transsexualism and she sort of equated trans people with angels as this kind of like monstrous, freakish, other outside thing. And I was really interested in why, why fetishize the angel as this particular figure for trans people in like a really problematic book. Um, but my relationship is like completely not spiritual or like theological, I don't know, um, yeah. Do you have, do you think about angels? Is angels like a, are angels a thing that you think about in your? Yeah, like, do angels have sex? That's mostly what I think about. When you think, when you mean, <laughs> when you mean do they have sex, do you mean like, you don't mean do they have like a sex, like a gender, you mean like do they, do they, do they fuck? Do both, they, both those things. Both, yeah. oh, okay, so do they, and do you have answers to those no, questions? No. <laughs> right. I love that like, the question used to be how many can dance on the head of a pin, and now it's like, do they fuck? <laughs> that's, the, like, that's where theology has come to, in, in, our, in our academy of today. Uh, all right, uh, anything else, any other, any other questions, anything else? Oh, yes, back there, yeah. It's not a question. Oh, all right. <laughs> the angels fuck it in the, in the, in the trilogy, and what happens? 
in his dark materials, two angels stuck, and then what happens? It kills God. That I don't know what we're going to do with that information. It's my, my, my next thesis project. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. See what happens when you don't ask a question? Uh, yes, over there. Yeah. I just want to know if you have backup plum sauce in your fridge for when they forget. Do you have plum sauce in your fridge for when they do forget? No, I really, I really should. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like getting refunded for an entire meal because of one missing sauce packet. And, and did you think you might get the plum sauce to like, would that change the dynamic of it, you think, if you had plum sauce? I would be less inclined to get refunded. Would you actually feel bad asking for the refund if you had plum sauce? Would you feel that it was like not morally right? Because you're like, well, I have plum sauce anyhow. Ah, uh, I know I didn't think about that. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> All right, so there you go. So you can, sorry, you can get it. All right. Anything else anyone would like to know? Any other questions? Else? I thought I saw a couple of hands up. Or should we end on the plum sauce tip? Maybe we'll wrap it up there. So let's, let's try out the plum sauce and see how it works. Ladies and gentlemen, here it for Prathna Lore. Trampling Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Ali Waterman. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Our coordinating producer is Kate Bars. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can really help us out by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. It helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening.